Go ahead and be seated. So, Rudyard Kipling, what's he famous for? What, what stories do you remember from the writer? Turn of the, the 19th century, still emphasizes today. Jungle Book, very good, most famous writing. And also the poem, you remember the poem? Gunga Din, you remember that? So, a very famous guy, made a ton of money at the turn of the century. And one day, there was a reporter who had been following him, and, and he met Rudyard Kipling, and he said, Mr. Kipling, Mr. Kipling, I, I was just reading that you've made so much money with your writing that you, you, you uh, accrued about $100 for every word that you wrote. Now, can you imagine $100 for every word? So I would make about $20,000 for every sermon. Just think of that. Maybe not tonight. Maybe not that long. So he was, <laughs> he was a little bit jealous, of course, of, of Rudyard Kipling and, and the amount of money that he made for his writing compared to writing for the newspaper. And so he took a $100 bill out of his pocket. Now, I, I don't have one of these. So for my prop, I have a $10 bill. Okay, well, that worked. Get the idea. He took a $100 bill out of his pocket, and he said, Mr. Kipling, could you give me one of your $100 words? Here's a $100 bill. I'd like a $100 word. So, Roger Kipling, he takes the $100 bill, and he, he folds it up, and he puts it in his pocket, and he walks away. And then he, turn, he turns around, and he says, Thanks. Pretty good, $100 word, wouldn't you say? Well, it's really the point of our message tonight. I'd suggest that a $100 word, well, really maybe a $1,000 word, would be thanksgiving. It's a word that we don't hear often enough. It's a word that is not spoken often enough. It is a word that is too quickly forgotten, Thanksgiving. And I'm not talking about the holiday. I'm not talking about what America does tomorrow, uh, gorging itself on a feast of turkey and, and all those other things that, that are going to adorn the table. It's not about the, the watching the football games or, or the traveling even to see family and friends. But just to be thankful for who we are and what we have. If there's any nation on this earth that ought to be thankful to God and grateful for his goodness, it is America, isn't it? And if there's any people in this country that ought to be thankful to God and grateful for his goodness, it's Christian. And if there's any group of Christians that ought to be thankful to God and grateful for his goodness, I think it's the people of this church, isn't it? We have so many blessings to be grateful for. And yet there are so many people, certainly across America, and yes, many Christians, and possibly even you, that aren't that grateful. You see, I think we can, we can divide everyone into just two groups of people. 
two groups down the middle. Those who have a sense of gratitude and those who have a sense of entitlement. So think about that for just a moment. Which are you? Do you live life with a sense of gratitude? Where you're grateful for everything? Where you see everything as a gift and nothing is taken for granted? Or are you on the other side? Do you live with a sense of entitlement? Where you're not thankful for anything and you take everything for granted? With no appreciation for what you have because you feel like you deserve it all and even more just because of who you are. Now, in our story, our gospel reading from earlier, there were ten people. How many would you say, just from the hearing and your remembrance of this story, how many would you say had a sense of gratitude? Just one. The one who came back to Jesus and thanked him. And how many then, what's left, had a sense of entitlement? The other nine. They went on their way. They had just been healed of a terrible disease, and yet not, a, not any of those nine, just the one, and he was a foreigner, he was a Samaritan. The only one who came back and gave thanks. So which are you? Do you live with a sense of gratitude or a sense of entitlement? Are you grateful for everything that you have, even the mundane? Are you grateful for your family? Are you grateful for your health? Are you grateful for your job, your house? Are you grateful for the things that seem to be obstacles in your life, but can make you even more grateful when they are overcome? Or are you that person who has a sense of entitlement and feel like you should get everything that you deserve? You deserve your house. You deserve your wife. You deserve your husband. You deserve your wonderful children. You deserve to have every light turn green on your way to work. And you deserve, of course, the parking space right in front of the grocery store. Or maybe out in front of church, we ought to put your name on it out there, right? Right in the front. You deserve the lazy boy, we could do that right in the front as well. Which one are you? Do you live life with a sense of gratitude or a sense of entitlement? There was a missionary, more modern, who also was ministering to a bunch of lepers, an entire colony, in fact. It was on the island of Tobago. And he recalls a time when there was a service similar to this, a gathering of people, kind of like we used to do on the the midweek Advent services, and we would have a hymn sing, and we just ask our organist to, to play a song. What do you want? And away she would go. So that's what they were doing play a song, and they would sing it. And this horribly disfigured woman asked them all to sing, Now thank we all our God. 
We're going to sing it later in the service at the very end. The missionary recalls that as they were all singing, this entire group of disfigured people, people with parts of limbs and open sores, they were all singing, now thank we all our God. But he couldn't sing because he was whole and he was healthy. And his future was entirely different than those lepers. Later on, when he recalled the story to a friend of his, a friend said, could you ever sing that song again? And he said, oh yeah, I'll, I'll sing it again, but never in the same way. What about you when you sing later on, now thank we all our God, with heart and hands and voices? What wondrous things he hath done, in whom his world rejoices. I imagine that most of us, I know I did when I was writing this message earlier this week, when I examined my own life, am I living with a sense of gratitude or a sense of entitlement? I thought, well, sure, a sense of gratitude. I'm grateful for so much, but after thinking about that missionary, I may have to re-examine that. What about the guy that wrote the hymn? You all know the story, Martin Rinkert, 1617. Over 400 years ago, he is, he is the son of a poor coppersmith. He lives in a, in a village of Eilenburg, Germany. He works his way through school. He becomes a pastor. He is now appointed to the very parish where he grew up in Eilenburg. And yet, if you know your history, you know that it is about that time when the Thirty Years' War began. Thirty years of conflict in Eilenburg, Germany, right in the center. And then to add insult to injury... The bubonic plague is also spreading across the continent of Europe. In 1637, right in the middle of his pastorate, there are 50 people a day who are dying. 8,000 in six months. And who is it that buries most of them? Martin Rinker. 8,000 souls, including his own wife. Almost his entire ministry is taken up by the Thirty Years' War and then sandwiched in between with one of the greatest pandemics in the history of the world. And yet, in the midst of all of that, in the midst of those terrible circumstances, he can write, now thank we all our God. Could you do that? I'm not certain I could have. I think it would have been more like words of cursing God for the loss and for the hardship. 
for the unbearable loss of life, for a hopeless and bleak future. But not Martin Rinkert, not our missionary, and not our Samaritan leper. And why is that? Because they did not look at the circumstances of life in order to receive joy. You see, so many of us live life upside down. We, we wait for something terrific to happen, and then we feel grateful. So if our favorite team wins tomorrow, we'll feel good. When our belly is filled with the turkey and the mashed potatoes and the gravy and all the, fish, the, the fixings, then we'll rejoice when our family all returns home safely. Then we'll be grateful. But you know, the happiest people on the planet are the ones where the gratitude comes first. In spite of the circumstances, or regardless of the circumstances. And then comes the joy. So how do you turn that all around? Because we've all been in that pit, haven't we? Where we get negative and we're, we're griping and we're whining and we're complaining. Because we have a sense of entitlement. Only good things should happen to us. After all, we're the children of God. And yet, inevitably, bad things happen because we are living in a sin-filled, fallen world. Then we become miserable and we make everyone around us miserable as well, don't we? So what's the key? Again, we turn to the leper and the missionary and Martin Rinker. And we're grateful in all things. You might remember, but you probably don't, <laughs> last Thanksgiving, if you were here in worship, I said that in our family for the last couple of years, we have been texting something that we are thankful for every single day. Now, we're not perfect, and I certainly am not. <laughs> There's one in the family who does it every single day. The rest of us, not so much. You can guess who that might be. Well, I brought my phone. The family text. Thankful for a good workout. Not me, by the way. <laughs> Thankful for a fun evening with our small group. Thankful for a productive day. Thankful for family. Thankful for a busy morning. I mean, how mundane is that? Oh, I like this one. Thankful to get the ironing done. Again, not me. <laughs> Thankful for a great meal at home. Thankful for a quick phone visit with John and Andrew. Thankful to talk with Dad, like that one. You see, not amazing, wonderful, terrific things going on there. It's the everyday. And it could even be the painful 
in the tragic, in the difficult. There's another story I want to close with. Gospel of John. Thankful for glasses. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. And he went across the lake to get away from the crowds, and yet the crowds followed him. Because there was this man who gave them bread and fish, and they thought that he might give them more. And yet Jesus says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. And then they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? I mean, our forefathers ate the man in the desert. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. But Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, It's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats this bread will never go hungry. And whoever drinks of me will never be thirsty. The greatest feast of Thanksgiving is not the turkey or the mashed potatoes and the gravy, not even the pie you're going to have later, but it's the bread of life. to feed on Jesus, to believe in him, focus on the love and the grace of the Father who sent the Son. If you get right down to it, we are entitled to exactly nothing, for we are sinners. Oh, I guess, theologically, correctly speaking, we're entitled to death and hell, aren't we? The punishment that we ought to receive for what we've done and who we are. And yet, by the grace of our God, through the love of our Heavenly Father, through the gift of His Son, by His grace, we get eternal life. We get forgiveness. We get salvation. We get the encouragement of this bread and wine that we will eat and drink in just a few moments, the very body and blood of Jesus. A sense of gratitude. I hope that's what your Thanksgiving will be all about. Oh, surely enjoy all the rest the turkey and the mashed potatoes and the gravy and the pie. Enjoy the football games. Enjoy your family. Love them. Cherish them. 
but not just on the day of Thanksgiving, but every day, in every moment, knowing that all of it is a gift. Amen? Have a happy Thanksgiving. Let's all rise.